everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is, well, we would have been chatting <laughs> about the yeah. week of October 16th. Instead, we're back to lockdown. Mm. Quarantine cast is back. Quarantine cast is back. <laughs> Yay. Yay. No, it says no one. No. It's Tuesday the 13th, oh, right? Yeah. It's not Friday the 13th, but it is Tuesday the, like, the 13th. Spooky. The Friday the 13th box set came out today, so it's like a fake Friday the 13th. What a perfect day for you to get that box set in the mail. I know, but then not perfect because of the theater stuff. It's so everything it's sad. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, what a great time to stay home and watch movies. But it's like, well, I, mean, I didn't want to do that, you know? Like, I want yeah. to watch Friday the 13th. Well, we weren't watching one here anyways, but it well, still that, seems that's sad. The one, all you can do nowadays is live off of silver linings. Yeah. And the silver lining is... The lockdown's for a month, so we should be back on November 7th. So we should be back in time to continue our six-year-long Friday the 13th festival without a a hiccup in there. Tight deadline, though. That's a (laughs) six-day, like, oh, man, we've only got... Because then we'd be like, okay, well, we're extending it for five days. (laughs) Like, okay, this is starting to get a little tight, but all right. If we miss that Friday the 13th, it throws everything off. No. Because we're supposed to end with a three in a year in 2026. It's, yeah. But that'll push us back to 2027 then to finish everything up. Yeah, and it's weird because, like, you can't, like, theoretically, you could be just like, oh, yeah, we'll play it when we open back up again. But then it's like, is that as fun if we no, play it yeah. November 20th? Yeah. You know? it's, <laughs> like, uh... And, like, we were going to, we still do plan to screen it on the 13th, 15th, and 16th. Just with the mindset that we could only have 50 people in here. And the last time we showed Friday 13th, we got 150 people. So we're spreading it out a bit more. And that will finally give people the excuse who are like, oh, I'm working Friday or I have to be up early on Saturday. Be like, you got two more chances. You can come see it on the fallback days. Man. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that, I guess. I mean, I suppose, yeah, you could go if we weren't allowed to open on the 13th, but we were allowed on the 15th. I guess theoretically... Or is it just, are you going to be like, no, it had to be the 13th show or nothing at all ever. I mean, sorry, now we're a seven-year festival. Yeah, even though we were going to have two sellouts for those days. It's like, no, we're not doing it. Too bad. For people who are outside of Ottawa, we have a few listeners who are on the far reaches of Canada or North America and possibly further. You might have heard this in the news, but so basically within Ontario, there's been some scary spikes mm-hmm. so what is it us toronto and like peel region yeah which I guess so, it's just like outside toronto i think yeah so three different sectors got demoted back <laughs> to pushed back down. pushed back yeah Man. and it was really the first time it felt like we were in a disaster movie and now for better or for worse it's just we've become acclimated to this bizarreness mm-hmm. so when it happened this time it i don't know it's so hard to say like not that it wasn't as stressful, but it was just kind of like, yeah, it's here we go again. Yeah, we saw it coming a little bit. And I wasn't working this time, but I was at home and kind of getting the updates. And and it happened pretty fast. It was like on that Friday, we were told we had to close at midnight. Mm-hmm. So we had one last round of movies, but it meant that whole week of movies that was booked yeah. isn't going to happen. And I had two interviews, one via a Zoom thing. One, they wanted to come and do it in-house. And then Lee did a radio interview and possibly another one. But it was it was a different feeling. Like, the interviews I've done before about this was very kind of supportive and how you doing and mm-hmm. how you feeling. And this one, 
And I'm not really angry at the journalists, but I really felt like they were fishing for answers this time. Mm-hmm. They were trying to lead. They were saying, what about this? What about this? Or is this the end of theaters kind of thing? Something like that, you know? Exactly, yeah. Or like wanting answers that I couldn't answer or mm-hmm. wanting me to be angry. And <laughs> and so it was, it was interesting. And, and the more I thought about it afterwards, the more I was like, I didn't like that. Yeah, it, it was yeah. just, it was strange. Instead of just that journalistic... Even the first interview I was asked to do, they wanted me to do it before the news came out. Mm-hmm. Like the news was at, say, 2 p.m. And they wanted me to interview at noon or 1. And I found myself emailing back, me, who's not a journalist, saying, shouldn't we wait for the press conference to happen so I know what I'm answering the questions about? Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, well, we'll keep you posted. So it was weird. But it wasn't really a surprise. Yeah, I listened to Lee's interview today on the radio, and he did a little, like, eight minute interview and was like yeah we're not surprised it's unfortunate we're sad but hopefully we just won't be doing this every three months for the rest of our lives yeah that's not really a sustainable model (laughs) yeah well yeah it's it's just one of those things like i mean we joked about it well we i think we joked about it like literally every podcast for the last like several but it's just like it's just really one of those things like I, i don't see it as being this like doom and gloom aspect i mean easy for me to say i guess but i, I don't know like there are people who are kind of trying almost like i don't want i mean I, I don't even want to put this in words but like almost like people want theaters to fail at this point like they're just like it's like a car crash or something like they're like oh boy is this gonna be the end of life as we know and it's like why even if it was who care why are you almost excited like you're just creeping me out that's what i felt with this last round of interviews was they really wanted bad news yeah and i don't think that's anything new with journalism with no offense to any journalist is that bad news sells bad yeah. news gets attention so i think they really wanted me to be like choked up and yelling and crying yeah and i wasn't and so i think they were i don't i can't speak for them and and like i said they were nice folks but i think there was maybe some disappointment that i wasn't ranting and yelling that mad at the government and mad at people and yeah i think i second guessed myself but gwen was outside of the room for the zoom interview and she's like no no you did fine but you really second guess yourself after an interview because you think like especially both the ones i did weren't live yeah. so they could cut them you know they could <laughs> they could take out the first part of a sentence they I'm could so sad <laughs> this yeah. is the end <laughs> and it really makes you feel for celebrities and politicians because yeah. you're like it's easy to say something dumb i know i've said dumb things all the time but i haven't <laughs> had you know a microphone in front of me true for that but the reassuring thing always the thing that does get you choked up is how awesome our patrons are mm-hmm. reina got to put out the marquee on Friday night and when I came in for the interview that we just did in the lobby as the movie was screening afterwards we were chatting and I said well last time I put up something like this but just we're closed again or we're closed temporarily because some people freaked out about that (laughs) we're closed and just put up something nice you know take care or whatever and and somebody on Twitter and again people talk about Twitter being the worst thing ever but if you just block all the bad people Mm -hmm. it's a nice for me it's all filmmakers and nerds and yeah. comic book and, you know. It's a like, lovely echo chamber. Yeah, it's just a nice <laughs> little thing. So somebody on Twitter, I don't know if it was somebody just in the neighborhood or somebody leaving the movie and then catching Reina outside afterwards, mm-hmm. got this really nice shot. They would have been standing on Bank and Sunnyside. Yeah, by the chip truck maybe. Kind of kitty corner there. to us, yeah. yeah. And it was just her on a ladder. And they wrote something very nice like, 
these troubling times, the cinema struggling to get by, a lovely shot. And Raina put up her last line was, we love you. Yeah. And I've learned that for social media, it's a picture of Lee's dog Mm -hmm. or bad news gets all the (laughs) attention because then we'll put up hey, we have a new podcast, or here's a new movie. And it gets, you know, 10, 20 likes, whatever you call it. And you put up the dog, and it's like 500. Yeah. Or you put up, we had our poster boxes outside were vandalized, and it gets like 500. Or yeah. we're closing, 500. So we've learned it's dogs and bad news really yeah. gets everyone's attention. So that's something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that's good news, but I mean, at least, at least we have like a trend that we can follow, I guess. <laughs> we can book movies about... Dogs in harrowing situations. Yeah. Where were those people for Isle of Dogs? Yeah. <laughs> those weren't sellouts. <laughs> no. Good movie, though. I mean, that's not... <laughs> that's At least we have that, you know, good, fun memories. And and then now, and I'm not getting my hopes up because just any good news is good news, but during our first round, we surprisingly sold off the naming rights on all of our seats. And that's more silver linings because I've been... I wouldn't say procrastinating, but just... When you have a chore, you're working, you're elsewhere, you know? And so I've done a little bit of the seat installations, but now this week and the next couple of days, I'm going to come in and just finish that off and get all the tags put in because Mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard because if you're busy at home during the day, then there's a movie screening at night. So you can't do it that way, you know? Or if you're coming to work a shift at night, you kind of don't want to come in for two hours before because you got to do the laundry at home or whatever, you know? (laughs) So another silver lining is I'll get all those seat tags installed and that'll be something out of the way. But that happened from our patrons. I remember on social media, they were like, hey, can we still buy seats? And mm-hmm. bam, sold them all. So this time, somebody asked about the plaque that we have up that has like 70 spaces on it. And we've sold like about 10 so far, I mm-hmm. think. So just in the last couple of days, I've sold, I think, eight new names on the plaque nice. for 150 bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. And we have another half dozen people circling. So that's just great. You know, that's yeah. like, there's a local artist who did a, I don't know what you call it, like a multimedia print, like took a photo of the cinema and then put in art to it, like kind of like trees and Mm -hmm. things. And it is really nice. And so I'll have more information on that online because I just had a couple questions and she's sending them back to me. But so she's selling these prints and then she's just giving us half the money. So she already gave us a nice little chunk of money and she is going to give us another nice little chunk of money. And she doesn't really have to do that. And so like just think, so we got that money and sold a couple seat tags and on that day that that happened a few days ago i texted lee and i'm like we just had a better day than some of the days when we were open (laughs) during this post lockdown world and so every little thing like that in whether it be just a nice comment online or dollars thrown our way Mm -hmm. is just so nice especially during now when everything's horrible (laughs) i love the irony that now you finally have time to put all the plaques up and no one can see them yeah like there'll be pictures but you're (laughs) like hey you can finally come in and see your seat or plaque except you can't can't (laughs) but hopefully next month yeah actually it would be a great time to be like they're all done i i swear (laughs) they're all done yeah what are you gonna do prove me wrong yeah you're not allowed to come in Some people, because we did get in a a handful of the names, including yours. Nice. And some of the people who came in just were so nice and showing off their seats and taking pictures in it and stuff. And it's such just like a a fun little thing for a movie nerd to get. I know, I say this all the time about the Mayfair, but if if I was not involved in an alternate universe where I wasn't involved in the Mayfair, I would just be 
a Mayfair moviegoer as I have been since I was 13. Mm-hmm. And I would have bought one of those seat tags yeah. instead of just selling them all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I haven't even gotten to sit in my seat, in my tagged seat. I mean, I've sat in that seat before, but you know, it yeah. didn't have it. Although I wouldn't be able to read the thing while I'm actually sitting on it. So I suppose it's uh, it's very similar, but I'm looking forward to that at some point, you know, I mean, maybe I was thinking like the Friday the 13th 2 was going to be the time, but you know, we'll see. It is. Think happy thoughts. I know, I know. Well, <laughs> it's going to happen. I was here for the first one, and so like I feel like an obligation to keep coming to each of them. I don't know. Oh, man. How bonkers would it be if Friday the 13th was the start of one lockdown mm-hmm. and Friday the 13th 2 was the beginning of a brave new world post yeah. this lockdown. Man. And then, well, see, I, I don't want that trend to continue, though, because yeah. <laughs> the third one is in August, next August. So, Well, I wish Lee was here. Lee planned to be here, but he's a parent and a new dog owner. True. So and, like a double parent kind and of. And pandemic. Yeah. So we were going to, we're recording it around three o'clock right now. And we were going to do it at five or six or whatever to get Lee in here, but he's parenting and, and the new dog. So it's like all this stuff. But he was on the radio and I listened to it. And if you go to our Twitter feed, you can find the link over to CBC radio and listen to his little interview. And he said, just, I was proud of him. Cause he was like me where he didn't, he didn't panic. You know, he wasn't mm-hmm. freaked out. He was just kind of like, you know, this is a month and we'll get through this, but it's just going to be crazy. If this is every three months, do we have to do this? Right. He said just the tough call. And we all understand their tough calls is that, Seemingly, there was no proof linked back to an independent cinema. Uh-huh. Like, they were so safe. And Lee talked about going here and visiting our friends at the Bytown. Right. And that our patrons were a, a step above and mm-hmm. no horror stories here. Everybody wearing masks, all that kind of stuff. And he was he was good because I always tease him about this of like, don't be slanderous. You're actually in front of a microphone. <laughs> yeah. But he just basically said he had been to see Tenet. Okay. At a non-independent cinema at mm-hmm. a multiplex, and he kind of left it at that. And he and I'm paraphrasing, but I believe he said like, you know, and he's sure everybody was working hard there and doing their thing. But they're a multiplex; they got all these screens. They had minimal staff there. Right. There was one usher ticket ripper for six screens or whatever it was. And then you know, to sound like an old man, you got the punk kids in there who are supposed to be following the rules because they don't have seats taped off. They're mm-hmm. just like, you know, you're in seat. Yeah, yeah. One and two in row one. We're trusting you. Yeah. (laughs) So they weren't doing that. So all these people were sitting together and Lee was like, he would never go back. And he Mm -hmm. said, so if the powers that be witnessed that and went, you got to close down, that would seem fair. Or if they went into a bar that was packed with people, that would seem fair. But to punish everybody, like I'd been in to eat at House of Targ a number of times over the past couple months and... The games are all separated yeah. by plexiglass, hand sanitizer everywhere, the staff in masks and gloves. And like, just they did such a good job of being a restaurant in these times. And I think we did a great job. And it's tough to be like, okay, we're taking one for the team and shutting down. Yeah. But I think everybody was safe here. And the people are like, well, why can't I have three people at my mom's house when you're allowed to have 50 people at the Mayfair? Right. And it's like, well, we clean the hell out of everything. Yeah, we're constantly. all in masks. We got a Ghostbuster backpack filled with healthy sanitizing <laughs> stuff that we spray everybody with all yeah. the time. So, you know, I didn't go to my mom's house for Thanksgiving. Yeah, we saw her earlier that day in a social distance, safe manner. But I haven't been inside my mom's house since March or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's logic to that, where it's like, 
you don't want to go to your mom's house and be sitting across the table from her and breathe on her and then a week later go up oh, gave you the covid yeah so th- that's the logic at the mayfair is that you're wearing your masks you're wearing your mask in your seat even mm-hmm. most of the time people have been really good about that too of kind of you take it off to eat some popcorn sure. so we're extra clean we're extra safe so yeah, to be penalized for that is understandable at the moment, but it really is going to, our mayor seemed pretty mad about it, you yeah. know, but. Well, I'm pretty mad about it, frankly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. just something as simple as hearing about those two, I mean, people not in Ottawa might not have heard about this, but there was like two guys who were waiting for test results to come back and they went bar hopping. Oh, they yeah. went to like five, six bars in a night while they were waiting for their results, which came back positive. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, and they're not being charged with anything, nothing at all. Like, I'm furious. I just, like, th- that's attempted murder, frankly. I'm confused about that because even just if they were giving out fines, and I think they were earlier, back yeah. in the back in the good old bad old days, Jeez. it seemed like you heard stories about people getting tickets for being in a park or being on a yeah, patio or, or something. Yeah, or whatever. But that seemed, maybe that'll kick up now because stories like that where it's 100% factual, at least one of the guys I saw apologized, mm-hmm. so knows he did it. Right. You think there'd be something of like, but, yeah. like, penalizing a kid you know there has to be some kind of detention or grounding yeah or you know something but so that yeah all those restaurants i don't know if those restaurants can especially that like if they were like we didn't know we didn't go for a test whatever but that they knew right and that you're waiting for the result like that's what i just just don't understand it's almost like an addiction at that point you can't not go to a bar for for a week or two weeks or whatever you know like i just and it's easy for me to say like i don't i don't really go to bars in general you know it's kind of a special occasion almost to do that but i just don't i don't get that mindset when you're especially like waiting for the test it's just like you're trying to infect people borderline yeah i'm surprised to imply that but still like you know if if you're you're waiting on a test result you know you know there's a chance and like here at the mayfair every rule like we were taking everybody's names Mm -hmm. and i don't know it's it's hard not to just be negative all the time. Yeah, <laughs> but well, it's it's also easy to in a different way. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and no, it's like there's there's no point being like it's again. I don't think about these things often because it's easy to just go mad, you know. But oh yeah, at, at the same time, like it it is very very frustrating when we like I've turned down so many plans in the last month, two, three months, whatever, just that I knew would be fine, but it just was like, well, if we're taking this seriously, we're taking it seriously. And that yeah. is so frustrating after all this to just basically be, well, I don't want to say penalized because it's not like I feel like I'm being hurt or, or that the theater is, you know, being targeted or anything like that. But it's just like, we'd be done by now. Like if everyone had just put oh on God. a damn mask and just been like, yeah, maybe it, it, it's uncomfortable and it's not like fun and oh, you got to talk louder and all this stuff. Yeah. So what? Like it's a mild inconvenience. And I'd say this not even as someone involved in the theater, just like as a human being taking the bus and going in the office a couple times a, a week, you know, like it's just, yeah, it sucks. It's going to be a sucky couple of months, but now it's going to be a sucky year, you know, like all told, who knows? It seems like I was so naive a few months ago because <laughs> I look back on that and I didn't think it would be easy, but I thought when we came back July 15th, I thought, okay, this is going to be the world for a while and we're going to be wearing masks and we're going to be doing this, but the bad mm. curve is going to keep going flatter and yeah. less people are going to go to the hospital and we've learned valuable lessons and we're going to have Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas. It might be a bit different because maybe my brother won't travel from Vancouver or maybe mm. people won't go visit friends in the States or whatever, but we'll get through it. And, and a year from now, will be fine. And then now that we're pushing Halloween and we just passed Canadian Thanksgiving, and it's like, oh, God, why? And, yeah. and it really is. like it's 
you could point at those two guys who went to bars knowingly and you're like, you know, this is your fault, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And so that's why, and it's become almost subconscious, but I go out of my way now. Cause like they suggested, like if you're in an apartment building, you should wear your mask, even if you're just doing that little walk down to your mailbox or mm-hmm. whatever. So like I wear my mask when I biked here right now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's almost, it's almost like an F you to people who hate masks. I'm like, I got it on my bike. Take yeah. that, you know? <laughs> and, and I'm so proud when I see people, in masks around just kind of today it was a weird day today it's like the lightest rain i've ever seen in my life like yeah. it's technically raining but not so i biked here it was fine and i saw a lady in an umbrella with a mask on and a couple old folks walking down the street with a mask on and someone pushing a baby stroller with a mask on and that's the way it should be right now yeah no it's the only way to do it i mean well i mean apparently it's not but for, yeah. in, my, in my mind it's the only way to do it I am, like, heartened by a lot of what people have been doing. I mean, the people in my circle, at least, you know, and and we've had to switch back to, we do our our Monday bad movie nights, you know, we've had to switch back to digital for that, which obviously comparatively sucks, but, like, I mean, it's better than not doing it at all. It's just, it's a a little thing, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's a mild inconvenience at best, but it's something, you know, it's still a lifeline for those of us who are trying to like have some kind of weird digital normalcy, you know? (laughs) Yeah, well, I was chatting with one of my friends and she is a parent of two little kids. So that's even crazier right now. And she works in the food industry. So they're having all kinds of troubles Mm -hmm. with restaurants and places are closing like crazy. It's just a scary time for them as well. Mm Mm-hmm. But we both have this same point of view that I swear it doesn't, we don't mean it to sound horrible and negative. We mean it with a positive twist, if I can explain it correctly. But it's kind of like, hey, things are always bad, (laughs) you know, like, and I just think it's funny. I remember John Oliver did a thing, I, I think about 2018, he did a big montage of people going like, F you 2018 and, <laughs> and celebrities saying it and all that kind of stuff. And at the end, he like blew up a 2018 yeah. sign and, and you know, brighter days ahead. But things are always bad. There's always great. Like, it's so funny for me to think so many good things have happened to me in 2020, despite it being 2020. Same. So it's a weird dichotomy there. And it's it's almost interesting, good, that we as humans have blinders on and could can wake up every day and go to work or be lazy around the house or go do fun things because it's always horrible. Yeah. When poor Chadwick Boseman died, which was just heartbreaking because by all accounts, besides for being a very talented superstar actor on the rise, was also the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. And knowingly did this heroic superhero movie to inspire kids and knowing he didn't have many days ahead Mm -hmm. crazy but then you look back and you're like oh yeah but james dean died and carrie fisher died and people die that we love but i look at 2020 and for me and i think i might have mentioned this before but i'm getting more comic books published my first ones too as a like non doing all the work myself kind of thing Mm -hmm. is coming up pretty soon which i'll be able to talk about soon but so that's coming out soon i got a story credit on an animated episode of a show i traveled to seattle and vancouver mm-hmm. the mayfair before this was doing gangbusters yeah so it was this really great year and then this horrible terrible pandemic happened so it's weird that i can look at that at least in a positive nature and be like yeah this is nuts but these good things happened like i can look back and be like yep this comic book got published that i worked on and yeah 
So, yeah. Yeah, personally, you and I have had a pretty good year, actually. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah, I got a house and uh, two new cats and like, which felt weird. We just got a a new cat over the weekend. So I'm like... You got another new cat? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I didn't pay attention to social media. Well, because the other cat is like, it's a funny thing, you know, when you have a 13-year-old cat and a 12-year-old cat and then you bring in a one-year-old cat... The old cats don't really want to play with the young cat and they don't really care that he's there. So it yeah. just, he got kind of sad and we were like, oh, we don't, we we're like, okay, four cats is a lot, but going into the winter, you know, he's not going to be able to go into the garage or the back porch. I mean, well, he's, I mean, he'll be able to, but he's not going to want to. So it's like, we're shutting off two more rooms that he can be in and he, and no one wants to play with him. So it's, it's so it's, sad. Yeah. So we basically got to the point we adopted this little boy who currently we're probably going to rename him, but his current name is Kane because he had a drug problem when he was a kitten. And that's not a joke, what? I guess from, from what we could tell, like we got him from like a foster mom, but she was saying, I, I don't know who this was or who had him, but I guess like there was a pile of cocaine out and he's a kitten. So he's checking around and he accidentally inhaled some cocaine. This is a hundred percent true. I've never heard a story like this. I Neither did I. I was just like, I don't even know what to say to this. And they were like, Oh, he's fine. You know, it was touch and go for a while, but it like I guess his little heart like it's just this is just the most bizarre story I've ever told that's cat related I think and, and so he's like a perfect he's uh he's about like nine months I think and so he's adorable like he is just an awesome awesome cat I'm I'm like we've only had him for a couple of days like three days I think and I'm just like hard in love with this dude so I'm just you know we haven't really he's kind of aware of the other cats but it's just like the other cat that he's supposed to be friends with is being a little bit like I don't know, kind of like maybe territorial. Like he's not being aggressive, but I think we're just a little nervous. You have 30 days to like return the cat. And they told, it was like, we would, we literally, both of us were like, we would feel like monsters. I can't imagine. I, I, that will never happen. I've heard outside circle stories of acquaintances, people I don't really know, returning a dog like that. And dogs, you know, cats are, are more independent or cats yeah. are a bit more blasé. A cat, I think, could move on with its life going to a new home but i can't imagine a dog being with someone for 30 days or 60 days and then being abandoned oh my god i could never do it yeah it's not we even told her like we're just like i don't like i'll say never say never you know i mean if the other cat's like absolutely terrorizing but it just oh god he's just the nicest little cat he's just a perfect little kitty and i'm just i can't imagine (laughs) even with the drug problem i'm like i'm sure he's fine but yeah so that's just a weird story like not what i well and the other kind of weird thing about him is that like we it was through the stray cat rescue which i hadn't gone through before but it was the third or fourth cat we put in a word for well the word being can we have him and each time we ended up on the waiting list and then the others were adopted and we're like of course they were adopted they were cute they were like real (laughs) good cats we were screwed and so this this guy he had a visit scheduled and a waiting list and then a few days later randomly he was available which again it's weird because i'm like wait what's wrong with him like yeah. does someone, is he still does he still have the coke problem i don't know you know he's, <laughs> he's a drug dealer we, we can't afford that come on and so so anyways but on a lark you know i, I replied and, and we set up a like because for covid reasons like they had zoom meetings with the cat oh wow. and again it's 100 percent true yeah so so we had a meeting with this cat via skype which was like essentially more so just like the cameras on him but you're talking to the foster mom kind of thing that's and, so crazy yeah and it ended up you know we just like he just uh, i i mean once you see the cat you're screwed at that point i was just like well we're, we're, what are we gonna be like no i don't know no it'd be good if they set up the cat like like a youtube cat and been like see he can type 
yeah 90 words a minute he's, and just like him at a typewriter he's good he's fun she <laughs> he was like play he's, the drums he's, she was like he's really energetic but like he was just really blase at the moment she's like okay well at the moment he's not energetic but believe me he is <laughs> And so, like, we ended up going to meet him. And then the, the even funnier thing, we just moved in, like, May, I think. And this woman lived, like, two blocks from our old place where we had lived for a couple of years. Like, it was just one of those weird, all these weird little, you know, my wife doesn't really think much of things like that. But I'm, I'm very much like, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, like, just, just like, yeah. he appeared. And literally, like, if you don't get on one of these cats within 20 minutes, your waiting list, aka done, you know, oh, it yeah. just doesn't happen. And so it was just to have him come up, to have us, you know, get him, like all these little things that mean, quote unquote, nothing. But I'm just like, oh, my God, we need this cat at this time. And like, I've been lucky with that, you know, like when it's like when we're looking for a cat, I don't stress over looking for, you know, like an animal will find you basically, you know, like, I mean, you got to do some legwork. Oh, God, with my dearly departed gypsy, just yeah, the chain of events is the same where you look at it and it's just, you think about the alternate universe where mm. I had her for over a decade or so. She's a stray from Kentucky <laughs> who we didn't know how old she was, mm -hmm. came all the way to Canada. And then I had, same thing, I, I had looked at another dog on this rescue website first and got taken. Mm -hmm. So she was technically the fallback. And when we went to pick her up, she like, turned her back to me and barked at the other dogs to protect me <laughs> That's and just was the best you know yeah, yeah. And, and you think of just the the little things different in your life if i hadn't looked at the website or if that other dog had been available just yeah. Things like that with pets or with anything in life is that's why I'm fascinated by the Jeff Goldblum chaos theory stuff of just yeah. every single day could be so different and just you could not have a drug dealing cat right yeah, now. I know, and well, not the the story alone is is hilarious to me because it's just like I mean that I suppose that could scare some people off, I guess, or at least they would never talk about that story. Yeah, you know, but like it's just I'm always more just like scared for him, frankly. Just even reading the story, I'm like, good lord, like how how there's so many hows in that story you know but i truly I, I don't think he could have a better home and like the i've been sending the foster mom pictures and stuff and like she can tell like it's a good match too like i'm just you know we're probably not gonna have quote-unquote real kids so <laughs> quote I, I, unquote. yeah so like for me like it's just you know i truly channel a lot of love into these kitties and just it's oh god i just love animals so much and and especially i mean it's it's funny a little bit to, to think like oh the first wave we went and got a cat second wave we got another cat you know it's yeah. like we can't do it again like <laughs> no five, more waves yeah five's too much but just you know my other little boy just turned 13 over the weekend and wow. so he's you know he's still doing well but it's just yeah he's not gonna care what a, cat, a kitten is doing you know so just to talk about some movie stuff a little bit sure i watched exorcist 2 oh the heretic which i'd never seen before i'd seen one in three and four and five how do you classify those i've, I've seen all the ones except for heretic uh yeah they stopped counting them after a while yeah after three basically I listened, plus there's two versions of four so then just because a podcast i really love called the flop house has an upcoming youtube streaming episode where they're going to talk about exorcist 2 so i wanted mm -hmm. to watch it as research essentially Con considered to be one of the worst sequels of all time it's amazing i don't think they could have tried harder and had a more movie masterpiece part one and just awful part two yeah like just awful like i can't think of anything because there's other ones where some people like batman better than batman returns sure but batman returns is not a 10 star train wreck no you know? well like, hills have eyes too like the original is pretty horrific but i don't think it's as horrific as what you're describing oh, it's, just, <laughs> it's so bad and andrew who's couldn't make it today because of you know he's lives far away and he's on covid lockdown as well yeah but 
he said he couldn't get through it. He said he's tried a couple times and he just couldn't get through it. And it was one of those movies where I can't imagine back in the day on the heels of Exorcist being this phenomenon. And then I bet you Exorcist 2 had a good opening weekend because mm. people are so excited to see it. And then just sitting in that theater and seeing that movie. Oh, I bet you could just feel it in the air. I bet you the filmmakers at the big premiere yeah. felt it and were just like, oh, no. <laughs> I think there actually is a story about that. It could be a different movie I'm remembering, but I think it was Exorcist 2 where for the premiere, the producers were in the crowd. And it was, my recollection is 10 minutes into the movie, but it was like not long. Somebody stood up in the crowd and said, hey, the producers of this piece of shit are in the room. And they pointed them out and they ran outside to like escape the crowd. But their limo was like doing laps around the block because it was like waiting till the end of the movie. And so the producers were literally chased by an angry mob of people who already hated that movie. I hope that's true. It, it made, It's a true story. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it is Exodus 2. It was the sequel to a classic. And I believe it was Exodus 2 and just just this insane, like you can perfectly picture it. It sounds like a, like a Seinfeld episode or something, yeah. but like, I'm not even sure I've seen the whole movie. I've definitely seen three, you know, which is a masterpiece compared like to three, two. Yeah. But yeah, like I've never, that's just one of those ones where I'm like, I'm curious in a, in a train wreck sort I've of way. I've got the Blu-rays right behind you on the shelf there. I brought yeah. it back for Lee. Lee lent it to me. Uh, but I was scared to touch it just in case I got infected with the Exorcist. But I watched, <laughs> what's the actress's name? I was going to say Reagan. That's a character's name. Uh, Linda Blair. Linda Blair. She does a little 10-minute interview that I watched at Curiosity. And she said it's one of those films where the script was really good. The mm. first script was really good. And then you looked at the actors they had lined up. And you're like, sure, this makes sense. And she said at the time, she was thinking about stepping away from acting. Because she, like a lot of young people, it was already hard for her being thrown into the public eye so young. Yeah, for sure. And she said she was going to get into like being a vet. And I look, but she seems to be still acting, but she's, I think, spends her time acting and doing good deeds for animals. So I think it might be one of those movies where the script was good, but then it got a director who changed a lot of things. Mm -hmm. They did a lot of rewrites and then budgetary things and whatever. And if you're a film enthusiast, it's one of those ones that you kind of have to watch if you're a horror nerd just to see it to be like, wow, that's crazy. Did but you watch the extended uh, cut? I did. Because right. like, you're, it's only like 10 minutes longer and I'm like, well, yeah. I might as well go all in. Because I mean, you're never going to watch it again, let's no. assume. So you might as well just like go in. But it is one of those movies. I keep on meaning to do this, but I don't own a copy, but I keep on meaning to do this with Batman and Robin because someone told me an age ago that Joel Schumacher does a very interesting very honest and apologetic commentary on Batman and Robin talking about what went wrong and how they made mistakes and how he wished they had done it differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lots like, and yeah. lots of little mistakes. <laughs> Cause sometimes you hear filmmakers like that and they're in denial. It's like, yeah. you know, Neil Breen style. Like they think everything they do is perfect. So it's kind of interesting. And it is of course. With yeah, Neil Breen, yeah, of course. But <laughs> One commentary like that is Star Trek generations, which is a movie I like, but I can see the flaws in and the two writers do a commentary on it. And it's really good because they point out all the stuff that worked really well mm -hmm. and they point out stuff that they wish they'd done differently. Mm -hmm. And I like that a lot where they're like, you know, not every movie can be perfect. Nobody makes a bad movie on purpose. And yeah. sometimes just stuff doesn't gel. I got to assume there was some egos on that set too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and especially when, imagine you're writing a normal sci-fi movie you're writing a movie but when you're writing something like generations and you're like okay it's a popular show that just ended so we have all these characters we got to give a tip of the hat to the old thing here's that there mm -hmm. then we got malcolm mcdowell in it there you go <laughs> you know like so it's a lot to deal with i'm sure but yeah i watched and actually in honor of andrew i watched pinocchio's revenge oh wow i finally did it was pretty good actually i mean like <laughs> I, I, you know as these it's a sliding scale of, yeah. of pretty good but like 
for a like awful looking cover with a questionable description it was better than i thought because it was one of those ones that's that as andrew mentioned is like oh is the little girl doing these killings or is it the wooden doll you right. know and and you really don't find out until like the last couple minutes of the movie uh, like obviously i won't spoil it for don't all the people it. who are gonna be watching pinocchio's revenge but it was like shockingly decent it was the director uh kevin uh tennyson or something like that but it was a guy who did night of the demons and like which board and possibly also which trap he did two. Which trap was it? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure he did like those two witch-related movies, and then he's like, "I'm gonna branch out with the Pinocchio brand now." I guess. I love the thought of your quote being on like the VHS box. It's pretty good, actually. <laughs> it was. It was pretty decent. Like, I mean, as it goes, and oh yeah, and then, and then the other two I watched were uh, well, I've been watching a horror movie a day, so there's more than two, but legit good movie in fabric. It was called 2018, and it's basically follows a cursed dress between different owners, and it's but it's kind of oh, like. Yeah. It was almost like a bit like Phantom Thread, but not boring as hell. Sorry, Andrew, I didn't. Uh, that's not nice to say, but <laughs> Phantom Thread didn't really uh, knock my socks off. But this is like a spooky version of that. You know, if this had yeah. been Phantom Thread, I've been like, get all the Oscars, give it all the Oscars. But two that I've been meaning to watch literally for years was Hellraiser, Hellraiser six and seven. I'd seen all ten Hellraiser movies except six and seven, and pretty good. Like for these, you know, for late era direct-to-video Hellraiser sequels, that's a lot of quantifiers, way better than I thought. That's what I heard about those. Again, it's like backhanded compliment. But yeah. like, these are great for straight-to-video part seven of a movie. Way better. Carrie Wurr was the star of seven and like she held it down pretty, uh, pretty decent. So yeah. And Ashley Lawrence came back to reprise her role from one and two in part five or part six, I should say. Uh, I'd love to see part one on the big screen again. Yeah. Hey, maybe. Maybe Fingers one crossed. day. If we can come back. One day. I mean, when we come back. When we come back. So let's wrap this up. You can stay tuned to Mayfair events all over the internet, mayfairtheater.ca, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can sign up to our newsletter that will have updates for good news on the horizon. If you're in Ottawa, be sure to go to House of Targ and order some pierogies to pick up. They're doing takeout on weekends. Mm. And just wherever you are, support that local business. Support that comic store or clothing store or bookstore or coffee shop because... We're all screwed at the moment. <laughs> there <laughs> so is no good every news. dollar helps us. <laughs> yeah, you know, we we laugh, but really, we could use the help. <laughs> yes, please, please, please give us your money, <laughs> and we'll be back next week with another podcast. Hopefully, with Lee, if he can escape his puppy and children, mm-hmm. and more good news ahead. Thanks for listening, everybody. As our marquee says, we love you. Love, love. Bye, bye, bye. It's good that you stopped me when you did, because I could have gone on for another 30 minutes just about Hellraiser sequels. All the Hellraiser movies. They're all good. In 1974, a motion picture shocked the world. It has become one of the most acclaimed and successful films in history. The Exorcist is a classic in its own time. And now, Warner Brothers takes you a step beyond. Exorcist 2. The Heretic, starring Linda Blair, Richard Burton, Louise Fletcher, Max von Sydow, James Earl Jones. Their minds locked together with the most terrifying vision of all. Exorcist 2, The Heretic.